0: Hi, you're listening to the podcast of First Presbyterian Church in Ogden, Utah. My name is John Draskovic. I'm the pastor here. And what you'll hear is the message, the sermon from the week's worship before. And uh, you can always check out the... Full service that has the music and our prayers and liturgy on our YouTube channel. If you go to YouTube, you can just search First Presbyterian Church Ogden, and you can find us there. We've got all our services recorded, including the the most recent um, live stream of our of our service. I hope you enjoy this podcast and you find it to be a blessing. Grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, welcome here to. The second week of our worship at First Presbyterian Church, where we have a guest. Today's guest is Kirk Probasco, who is a wonderful human being. He's a friend. uh, He's a great guy. And um, he's going to be talking about the Jesus bread of he's starting into his bread of life or bread of heaven sermon. He his teaching around that miracle feeding story that had happened uh, earlier in John chapter five. And so I hope that you find this uh, fulfilling, that it lifts you up, it maybe gives you some new insight into our sacramental life as a church. You know, this is one of the things that Christians have been doing from the very beginning. Whenever they get together, they have broken bread and they have shared the cup. And this is one of the defining pieces of being a follower of Jesus, right from the first, the very first Christians. And so we're going to hear some more about that today from uh, Kirk, and uh, I hope that you enjoy it. Verse
1: 22. The next day the crowd had stayed on the other side, that had stayed on the other side of the sea, saw that there had only been one boat there. They also saw that Jesus had not got into the boat with his disciples, but the disciples had gone away alone. Then some of the boats from Tiberius came near the place where they had... Uh, eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there. They themselves got into boats and went to Capernaum looking for Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, Very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for food that perishes, but food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you for it is on him that God the Father has set his seal. then they did all that other stuff that Sarah read us about um, the Word of our Lord I love this section of the the this story um, that These guys had just been fed, the 5,000 had just been fed by Jesus. And now they're chasing him all over the sea, trying to keep up with him, right? And it's safe to say that the crowds that were following Jesus were looking for something. They had seen enough of Jesus to know that whatever he had, they wanted more of it. Jesus had just fed this enormous crowd with five loaves and two fish. And it was maybe the first free meal that any of these guys had ever had. And Jesus had given them more than free bread. The bread that Jesus had given them was not just free. It came out of nowhere. It was miracle bread. And it came on the, out to them on a hillside in the middle of nowhere. Right? And it's no surprise that John mentions that they crossed back to Capernaum. See, they were on the uncivilized side, the Gentile side, the wilderness side. The people of Israel out in the wilderness, on the move. And like in Exodus, they had received bread out of nowhere, in the middle of nowhere, just like their ancestors did. And now they wanted more, or at least they wanted a repeat performance, so they could be sure that what they thought they had seen, they had actually seen. Because people look, because miracles do not lead people to faith. People just say, do it again, but slower this time so I can watch. And that's just what the people had asked Jesus of. They were hungry in the wilderness, and miraculously, Jesus had given them bread. And they wanted to see it happen again. And this story, this story of the feeding of the 5,000 is so important, it's one of the only two miracles that's common to all four Gospels. And the other one's the resurrection, which is a pretty big deal, right? And so the context of what we read today is also very, very important because the people were still hungry. And Jesus had given them bread in the wilderness. And Jesus states simply that the people just wanted something to eat. They literally wanted bread. The things of this world that bring us happiness right this moment for right this time. And now just like literal bread sustains life, so Jesus being the bread of life changes everything about us. And this is really what the people were hungry for. What they were longing for. They wanted something more than just a full belly. They wanted a full life. And as we look over our society today, it's easy to see this hunger in the people we encounter, right? We feel alone and apart from other people, and we hunger for belonging. And we're afraid and angry, and we hunger just for 15 minutes of peace. Or we feel discouraged and pessimistic, and we hunger for hope. We're unsatisfied with our lives, even though we fill up every single second of our day with activity and stuff and things, and yet our lives still are terribly unfulfilled. And we say to each other, well, if I had a job like yours, or if I had a marriage like yours, or if I just had a bigger house, or if I had that car, then surely my life would be happy, right? And there's a term for this kind of hunger, and I'm sure some of you have heard it. It's called a God-shaped hole. Has anybody ever heard the idea of a God-shaped hole before? The is the only book like makes me so happy. Okay, pretend like I made up all of this stuff if you've, if you've never heard of it The God-shaped hole concept states that every single person has a spot in their soul or in their spirit or in their life that can only be filled with God. It's this God-shaped hole. It's that hunger for the human heart, for something outside, something greater. And I believe that we all have this innate desire inside of us to connect with our Creator. And that desire can only be filled with God. God. And therefore, we'd call it a God-shaped hole. Deep down in every man, woman, and child is a fundamental yearning for God. And it may be obscured by calamity or pomp or worship of other things, but in some form or another, it is there. For faith in a power greater than ourselves and miraculous demonstrations of that power in human lives is a facts as old as man himself. And the problem is that we either ignore this God-shaped hole or we try to fill it up with other stuff, with stuff other than God. And sadly, too many of us just spend our lives trying to feel okay in our own skin. So we chase after money and sex and drugs and alcohol and business, relationships, Anything to just make us feel normal. Just feel okay for 10 minutes. Anything that will quiet all those voices in our heads that say that we're not enough just as we are. We're not okay. But in pursuing these things that are not eternal, we remain unfulfilled and we wonder why our lives just don't seem right. And there's no doubt that, that in pursuing these other things, we get a moment maybe a moment of happiness or fulfillment, but it's temporary. And then we sober up and we feel guilt and shame. Or we make that deal with nets us a huge profit and we just think, okay, I need to make one more town. Or we buy that dream car and we find out we're still the same dorky guy, just a big car payment. And that perfect guy or girl turns out to not be so perfect. And just as a square peg cannot be filled with a round, cannot fill up a round hole, neither can the God-shaped hole inside of us be filled with anything or anyone other than a relationship with our God. Only through our personal relationship with the spirit of the universe can a God-shaped hole be filled. I'm going to say that one more time. Only through a personal relationship with the spirit of the universe can the God-shaped hole be filled. Can you hear the words from Jesus to that crowd that's been chasing him all around the sea those many years ago, speaking to you right here today? Don't work for the food that perishes, but food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Those are, that's tough, right? That's tough words for us in our culture. It doesn't make sense to us. The more stuff I have, the happier I'm going to be. It must be true. They tell me this every six minutes on the television or on the internet more stuff equals more happy. This kind of hunger comes from trying to fill that God-shaped hole with something other than God. And we hunger and we thirst, and yet we're left feeling empty and dry and alone. We're in the spiritual wilderness across the lake. And God seems absent, or at least silent. And the feelings of desperation and doubt threaten to overwhelm us. And, friends, if I know anything, I know that God is not absent in our lives. He has not left us alone. God wants us to be happy, joyous, and free. God wants us to be free of all of that stuff that we've been buying to try to make ourselves feel better. Jesus says, Guys, I get it. I know you're hungry. I know you're thirsty. I know you're lonely and afraid and tired and confused. And I know what you really, really need. What you need is the bread of life. A relationship with our God that changes everything about us. Jesus said, I'm that bread. And even when our emotions and our sinful hearts will not let us trust him, I know in my heart that God is present with us. God is with us, Emmanuel. He is ready to satisfy our hunger with bread that will last forever. He has brought us to this place to make us hungry enough to surrender our wills and our lives to Him. See, we have been disappointed. We've been neglected and abused. We've had our hearts broken and shattered and crushed. We've encountered darkness and evil along the way. Things have not turned out the way I planned. When I was a little boy, dreaming about what I was going to be at 60, it wasn't this. We've settled. We've settled, and we've settled. And at the end of every day, we end up just sighing and going to bed. Wishing things were different, but not daring to hope that they can be. And you would think that our society would be the happiest people ever, right? We have the nicest cars and the biggest houses and the highest standard living in the history of the world. And yet you don't have to look very far to find people who are restless, irritable, and discontent. Our hunger persists and it's destructive in in the way it affects us. In the scheme of things, our desire to make a big splash in the world our need to build up this big pile of stuff. All of that is nothing more than our desire to deny our dependence upon our God. Right? Because the, the bigger my bank account, the more in control I am. And if I'm in charge, I don't have to rely on God to take care of me. I'm in control of my life. And then we fall into this trap of our own making. We pile up stuff so that we don't have to worry about trusting God. And that stuff destroys our lives. We fall into what the author of Ecclesiastes calls vanity. We're working for our own egos. And you guys know what ego stands for, right? E-G-O, edging God out. The more I'm in charge, the less God is in charge of my life. And the really sad part of this story is, when I'm in charge, my life is full of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, self-pity. And Paul wrote a letter to the church at Philippi and to me, says, dear Philippians and Kirk, surrender and trust God, and you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. God led the people of Israel out into the wilderness and fed them with manna, that magic bread from heaven. And the manna lessons from the wilderness were important for the people of Israel. They learned that God's going to take care of them no matter what. God will give them what they needed. And they also learned not to hoard that bread. You Remember, it would get all smelly if you kept it for over a day. And they learned to share with the people around them in their community. Those people who couldn't gather for themselves. It was the bread that God gave them as they were learning how to be God's people. How to be in that relationship, that trusting, beautiful relationship with God. And in John's gospel today, the followers of Jesus remembered the bread, but they forgot the lessons. And so Jesus begins to teach them again about what true bread from heaven does. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And he identifies himself with the great I am. He identifies Yahweh as the bread of life for the world. And this is in contrast with the bread that we get. That daily stuff that keeps us, our bellies full. And then we get confused and we ask, how how does this? I don't get it. How is Jesus bread, and and how does it satisfy hunger when it really isn't bread? And and those are the wrong questions. The question isn't how, but who. It's not the miracles that Jesus performs that changes us, and it's, it's who performs them. It's not about being full for one afternoon. It's about Jesus having a relationship, a lifelong relationship with Jesus Christ that changes everything about us. Being all-powerful, he provides what we need if we keep close to him and perform his work well. Established on such a footing, we become less and less interested in ourselves and our little plans and designs, and more and more we become interested in seeing what we can contribute to life. We stop worrying about being hungry, and we start serving other people bread that we can share And that bread will dry your mouth out sometimes. <laughs> it is Christ of the cross who gives himself for life for all. When we, in a minute, we're going to sit at this table and celebrate Christ's own life broken for us that becomes our bread. It is in giving of himself that he is most alive even as he dies on the cross. And for those of us who follow and learn the simple truth from living from His Word, we are only completely full when we empty ourselves out completely. Jesus is the bread of life, not for what He puts in our bellies, but rather how He teaches us to live, and I mean really, really joyfully live. Those who have dared to follow this radical way of living Fill new power flow in. Enjoy peace of mind. Discover we can face life successfully. We become conscious of God's presence in our lives. We begin to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, or the hereafter. We get to be reborn. We get to be reborn. And the truth is, it's tough out there. Right? Right? It's not all rainbows and unicorns out there. And we try so hard and it seems like we get nowhere. What if the secret to winning was surrender? What if all the things we fight and work for only make us more hungry and more wanting? Jesus tells us today, don't waste your energy striving for temporary things. For that stuff that the world tells us we need. What we need is a relationship with the bread of life. And our lives will become more and more beautiful and more content than we can ever imagine.
0: Amen. Well, friends, thank you for spending your time with us here at First Presbyterian Church. I hope that this, uh, this message was one that uh, gave you a deeper insight into the sacramental life of our church and who Jesus is as the bread of life bread of heaven. Um, this, uh, this was the last week that I'll have been out of town. And so I'll be back uh, next week on uh, July 9th and we'll continue on through John chapter five and look forward to being back. And if you're uh, in town, love to see you. I know it's 4th of July weekend uh, or the week of 4th of July. So a lot of folks are probably traveling. So you can take us on the road with you through the podcast. You can check us out on YouTube, go to our web, our YouTube channel, and uh, if you want to support the church, please go to our website, first Presbyterian or www.fpceogden.org, and uh, you can help support our ministry financially that way. Well, blessings to you.